Today's deep dive is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, cufflinks.com. Head on over to cufflinks.com slash DVR for all your men's apparel needs, baby. They've got cufflinks. They've got tie bars. They've got pins. They've got ties, socks, all the awesome stuff that you need to look good when you step out your door in the morning or when you turn on that computer and you're on Zoom. Because let's face it, people, you still got to look good. Come on, enough with the bedhead. We're a year in, the light is at the end of the tunnel. We got to start thinking about the future, people. Looking good out there in public. So head on over to cufflinks.com now. Use code DVR20 and save 20% off your order, no minimum. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Welcome back to One Mike, the Delvin Cox Experience, and Daily DVR's deep dive into Marvel's Loki. Today we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 2, entitled The Variant, directed again by Kate Heron. And today's episode was written by Elisa Karasek, and this is actually her first writing credit. So, congratulations. I looked her up on Twitter. She has like 1,500 followers, and she's like... I wrote the Loki episode (laughs) and she, and people were like, congratulations. It was great. So good job. This was a great episode. Whether you're watching us on YouTube or listening to the podcast, please do leave a like subscribe and write us a review. Also check out Mike's instant reaction on the one Mike channel. Of course I am Axel and you can find out more about my pods at DVRpodcast.com. And with me, of course, are the before mentioned Mike and Delvin. What's up, Mike? What's up, guys? Ready to talk about another bomb-ass episode. Yep. Delvin, you feeling the same way? Did you enjoy this one? Yeah, I thought it was really good overall. I think that um, I like the direction the show's going into, and it kind of adds on to what they built on episode one, so I think it's cool so far. All right, cool. Good deal. Well, listen, I wanted to kind of shock you guys, do a little shock and awe, and start out this episode with... Actually, I think Mike talked a little bit about perhaps about this on his uh, instant reaction. But we had an email from Glenn, who is a longtime listener and friend. And Glenn said this. Now, I want to see what you guys' reaction to this is. Glenn says, I don't think the TVA are the good guys. They have clearly become a brutal bureaucracy. We see that with how Loki is treated. We see that with how um, the ticket guy gets reset just for not having his ticket. And if you rewatch these two episodes with that in mind, it does put the TVA in entirely different light. Thanks for the podcast and all the work you guys do over the shows. I appreciate it. So what do you guys think? Are the TVA actually bad guys? I'm like 90% yes on this. That's what I thought. (laughs) (laughs) And you're right. I did talk about it on my instant reaction. Um, And it's more of a just a theory uh, it's based on kind of like like what Glenn was saying, like if you rewatch the episodes with that in mind, you kind of see things a little bit differently. And I feel like the show is is laying the groundwork for uh, some sort of pulling out of the rug from under us as far as the what we think is going on versus what's happening. And I think there's a there's a lot that is not said between uh, Mobius and. Uh, Rav- Ravona, I think, is the the judge's name. The yeah. the black woman that he speaks to that uh, 
that was Loki's judge at his quote unquote trial thing in the first episode. Um, you know, I think there's a lot that is unsaid between them and even more that is unsaid on her side. Mm-hmm. And I found the uh, the multiple condensation rings on the table and her comments of uh, you always do that or that's always you or something to that degree. Um, I found that to be a pretty big, like blaring alarm horn, like something's going on here and just the nature of of how they've interacted with Loki the way Loki seems to kind of be uh, not, and, and, and I'm going to kind of sort of jump ahead a little bit, but the way um, the, the Loki variant, the uh, perspective that the Loki variant has of the TVA, I think these are all kind of like clues that something is amiss there. So I, I haven't built too much on that. I mean, I, it, it, I really only started thinking about it after this episode, but um, I, I, yeah, I kind of feel like that's where we're headed. What do you think, Dalvin? I think there's a possibility of it. I, I want to say that um, I like where we're going with that. I like that that is kind of left open-ended. I think this also could be a situation where it could be gray area. In terms of, like, if you really look at the whole thing, closing the multiverses and keeping it one straight line could be considered a good thing or it could be a bad thing. We don't know the ramifications of that. We don't know if we're if this universe is meant to have multiverses or not. And we don't know really what that, what stopping multiverses from occurring could possibly do for the society and things like that. So I'm really interested to see where they go with it. I like into the whole way of they, how they treat Loki. It's kind of understandable. Loki fall into the purposes is a horrible person. He's killed (laughs) countless of people. He's trying to take over New York. The only, the only the only redeeming quality about Loki thus far is that he's been a bad, such a bad villain. If you really look at who he is, you have to kind of sympathize with him. Like, if you look at the whole battle for you, New York, he felt in that. If you look at um, Thor 2, protecting his mother, he felt it that. And yeah, he took over Asgard for a while, but kind of got caught. And then when Hela came, she immediately took over Asgard with, with almost no fight whatsoever. And then when he tries to be a hero, he gets brutalized by Thanos. So it's kind of like he's kind of a loser <laughs> for all intents and purposes. And we'll get more into that later on. But the more and more you look at this story, this guy who we saw in Avengers 1 as this big, bad villain who's trying to take over the city is kind of the underdog in this story. I think that's fascinating. Yeah. yeah See, I, th- I think, real quick, Axel, right. sure. um, another, another thing I wanted to add on to there, too, is... I don't think that uh, necessarily maybe the entire TVA is corrupt in some form or, or something like that. It could just be Ravona, and I question whether or not the timekeepers even actually exist in this in this show. But um, one, one of the things that I think kind of led me down that path was the fact that they have that this this whole blind spot of uh, the Loki variant hiding behind these apocalypses, and it's built as like you know this is how we aren't catching this person. And I thought of it as like this, it, it doesn't seem to me that the TVA would have such a loophole and not know about it when you know about all things across all time and That's you correct. manipulate it. Like, so to me, I feel like they know it's there or someone knows it's there and it is there with purpose and intention. And this Loki variant is merely exploiting it as opposed to, discovering it and that's a that's another reason why i think that there's something amiss here so it's not necessarily like maybe the tva itself is like a a bad guy per se 
but there is either someone in the TVA or the TVA itself is up to something nefarious. And, and that's, that's kind of where I stand because I don't know enough yet, but I feel like there's already been clues being dropped. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really, you know, with these Marvel shows after we covered Falcon and winter soldier and, watching WandaVision so closely and listening to pods and having theories I'm more I am more attuned to try to just read what they give us and if I do that with this theory it is there they're definitely a bureaucracy in this brutalist architecture that we've seen right like the, it's it's definitely um, a bunch of paper pushers the conversation that Mobius and Loki have, the kind of central conversation where Loki's like, so the, the Time Masters created you. And he was like, yeah, who created you, Loki? Right? <laughs> and then he tells him, and he's like, oh, well, that sounds crazy, too. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I mean, but that sounds like any time I talk to a person of any religion when they ask, right? Like, it's like, it's about faith. You just have to believe, you know, and I like the way they're setting Loki up in this situation to be, um, you know, as the big loser who finally kind of breaks out by almost like we've seen in our own society, like Gen X, right? Like the losers rule, you know, <laughs> like he's going to be the one who figures everything out. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of being tricked. But they have told us a lot pretty upfront of what's going to happen in the other shows. So I'm feeling this. I, I think that we may have a setup here where it's kind of Loki questioning what is this one sacred time? Who gets to decide what the sacred timeline is, right? Because you'd have to think, why do they get to decide the timekeepers what it is? And like Mike said, they push this idea several times during this show. Loki said, do I get a meeting with the timekeepers? Can I get a meeting with them? Oh, where are they? Right. When can I talk to them? And then when the one uh, TVA agent is like all acting crazy and she's like, I told him, I told him where the timekeepers were that hinted towards what Mike's saying. Like, do they really exist? Cause it's like, where they were, where, you know, like where they are, there's a lot of language, like you said, too, with the rings on the table. Have they been doing this again and again? Are they actually like I started to think? Are they doing this not to find the Loki who can take down this Loki, but are they doing this to take that to find the right Loki to create this chaos like, is this chaos actually what they have planned in some way? Are they manipulating him? Yeah, so could be. I am per, I'm on the tip that I don't know if they are evil or bad guys, because like Owen Wilson said in that same conversation, who is to decide what's good or evil, chaos or order, you know? I love when he talks that kind of stuff. He's like, you know, man, come on. I, I, I love him. They are such a great pair. But I definitely think the TVA is not what they seem. And also, I don't like that they keep on showing these timekeepers like they're all etched in stone, like they are in a, in a sense like Thanos, right? Like they're going to decide who lives and dies, what's right or wrong. 
as a human being watching it, I can't help but kind of root for either Loki to take down this organization or give us freedom of choice or free will. Um, so that's kind of where I'm sitting on it. I kind of dig that, though. And I, to be honest, I, I had just been thinking the whole time, like sitting back and waiting to kind of see what really is going on. What makes you think, Mike, that the timekeepers don't really exist or they're not there? Just because it, there's no evidence for this. It's just uh, the fact that so much importance has been put on meeting them. And that to me yeah. ultimately kind of feels like it's 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 a situation that's being set up to have the rug pulled out from under you like oh when can i get meet with the timekeeper soon when can i meet with them real soon you're almost there oh one more mission yeah. and then all of a sudden oh there's no there's no timekeepers yeah. like, like that's just that's just what it the feels man like behind the curtain um and then like the, the fact that they're worshiped but it seems like no one's ever what really did it was when was when mobius said he's never he's never seen them and they like they you know they got these statues and they're worshipped. I mean, in in a very literal sense, they are like gods. Like so, in, in theory, anyway, if they actually exist. But um, yeah, the, the the way they've been built up. But the fact that it seems like like the way Ravona was talking on behalf of them, it it just felt very Wizard of Oz to me. Like 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 they don't exist, and it's just this, and she's just uh, pulling some sort of scam or something like that. And speaking on behalf of them, it just, it, I don't know. It's just a gut feeling, really. And side note, Axel, I don't know if it's just me, but you sound echoey to me. Oh, I'm on sorry. On your audio. Um, I am sounding echoey? Yeah, like, okay. uh, I don't know, like you're in a box or something. Like, I, I don't know, it sounds kind of weird. Because I thought it was, um, <laughs> you thought your mic was on and it wasn't. But oh, um, the audio when you did it without the mic last week was fine. Okay, here I can try that. I'll just I'll unplug it. How okay, do I now sound say now? Something? Yes, hello, hello. That sounds better. Okay, that sounds yes, better, guys. Way yeah. better. All right, cool, cool. All right, good deal. I will keep it like that then. This damn thing did not work properly. Um, okay, I'll jump back in. All right, so um, I kind of took some notes throughout, so we might go a little bit more in order this time because I, I thought it would be kind of fun to do that and to just get your guys' impressions of what happened in the episode. What did you all think of this Ren Fair? Are you guys Ren Fair people? Have you ever been to one? <laughs> it's like they no. got to show a Ren Fair in a Marvel show. Come on, they got to do that. And, and you know what's even what's even weird about that? Is I've never actually seen or heard of one in real life. I've only really? seen them in things I've seen on TV or movies. Oh. So like, there's a part of me that's like, are these even real? They are. I've I've heard of. Them I know. Before. I know they okay. are. But I'm I, like, I, I've, I've, I've just I've never actually seen like an ad for one or someone who I know is going to one or pictures on my Facebook feed of somebody who attended. Like I've only seen them in TV and movies, and I'm just. <laughs> I have a friend who's with the one. I, <laughs> I have a friend who's with the one. Has the whole armor and stuff and everything. Yeah. Like a knight. I think that this might actually, wasn't it like Chappelle or someone who had a routine about this, about how like, do Ren Fairs only exist in white people world? Like it's just like a thing that white people do because they want to eat those big turkey legs or whatever. Um, <laughs> yes. I have been to a Ren Fair. I used to date a girl who uh, went to them pretty regularly and dressed up. And uh, I don't know, man. It's like I said, I am always been like a sci-fi guy because I've never desired to live at a time when there's no running water or toilets and 
you can die at any time. I'd rather I'd rather have like a robot giving me shit than like worry about scurvy and rats and all that kind <laughs> of crap. So <laughs> I'm, not really, I'm not really into the Ren Fair, but it was fun. And from what I understand, people were saying um, they they said it was Oshkosh, Wisconsin. I always love that Oshkosh bagosh. Uh, in 1985, which is a great year. And of course, Back to the Future came out in 1985. So that's like a little timey throw. And supposedly that was actually shot. See, I'm not sure. They did a little. They shot, I believe they shot some of this in like the volume type thing that they do like Mandalorian and a lot of like WandaVision. Oh, yeah. So I think they did. A bun- I haven't watched a lot of behind the scenes stuff, but I do know that they ha- they actually did do a lot of location shooting as well for this show. So this was, I think, the Atlanta Ren Fair. I saw someone said online that they recognized the buildings and all that kind of stuff. But then again, it's like, how many fucking like old buildings can you really have? I don't know if it really was. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it all looks the same. I Can you imagine this was... being at a Ren Fair and seeing fucking Loki walk through it? Like actual fucking Tom Hiddleston? Like, okay, I'll try to stay in character here, but fucking Loki's walking yeah. around the Renaissance Fair. <laughs> I thought it was great, and I thought he kind of fit into... I just thought it was fun and playful, and this whole thing that happens here, basically, we just kind I guess this is where we kind of figure out that this Loki is really trying to steal the reset charges and gather them up this is where this kind of we kind of figure out because last episode i was wondering like what are they doing they're just killing tva people no what really they're doing is stealing the reset charges but it looks like they are kidnapping certain soldiers right like it's not just one it's several now that are missing so there's another little mystery there that i wanted to bring up which is she we later find out obviously it's lady loki spoiler alert and i like that aspect too yeah that was great we'll talk about that but she grant like pulls another one of the soldiers through oh wait a second i think i figured it out now guys was that the same soldier that they find later in the office yeah yes okay Mm -hmm. thank you all right. All right. We can finish the podcast now. I figured it out. <laughs> and we also get only a hero playing, which is great. And yeah, Mike, yeah. you said it was played on another show. I think they played that this season on The Handmaid's Tale, too. They, I, I, they might have. I know I've heard it a lot. Yeah. But it, was in the, it was in the trailer for a, a, a new He-Man show that's coming on Netflix. Mm-hmm. That is correct. Only yeah. a hero. So what did you guys think about this whole thing? I thought it was... You know, they they get to they get to have a little fun. L- Loki does the whole thing of like getting a jacket and being made fun of. Um I thought it set up a a cool thing that that they're already like he's already working the job. I like that feeling of it with um but this whole beginning of this setup, what are some of your impressions of it, fellas? You can go first if you like, Delvin. I like the fact that there clearly is a hierarchy here with Loki. Like, hey, you're just essentially bait. And the, and the whole giving him the jacket that says variant is just a way to demean him and kind of knock him down a peg. And throughout this show, from the first episode to now, it's been the constant story of knocking Loki down a peg from his arrogance and his ego and making him more vulnerable. 
And like I said, we'll get more into that later on in the episode, but you see that more and more and you see how they're giving him a leash, but not too much of a leash. And it's like, hey, you're going to stay in your place and, we're, and know, recognize who you are and what you're here for. You're here to do what we say, no more, no less. And at any time you think about doing any one of your tricks, we're on to you. And I think it's a fascinating to see Loki in this point, at this point where he's following orders to people that he knows he shouldn't be subservient to. Like, for example, when we watched Avengers and Loki was following the bidding of Thanos, in Loki's mind, he was manipulating Thanos to his bidding. He didn't think Thanos at any point in time had the advantage or the upper hand on him. Here, while Loki feels like he wants to be in control, Loki himself knows he's not in control and knows that he just has to come along for the ride and just try to find an opening to where he can take advantage of the situation. I think it's really cool to see that. Yeah, and, and you know what's interesting about that too is so I think I think the best example of that is is after um after the variant escapes with that that one soldier and Loki's essentially you know, we find out that he, he's stalling for time, kind of, any, or, or trying to be manipulative. He, go, he goes through this whole thing. He's talking, he's talking, he's talking. And, and, and I, I forget her name, but the, the, the soldier that's played by Ruby from Lovecraft Country, I think it's like B-15. It's some weird thing like Hunter that. Hunter B-15, yep. Oh, okay, cool. Good. Well, look at me. You were right. Uh, so, yeah. So, w- when she's saying something like, you know, we only got one minute left or we only got two minutes left or whatever, and you could tell he's just going – and at the end of his spiel, and that time is up, Mobius is just like, yeah, he's full of shit. Let's go. And like, like he didn't buy it at all. And the weird thing about it is that with Delvin's point about how Loki has kind of been put into a position where he has to, he's learning that he is not in charge. He is not manipulating everybody. That one, that is an example of that. But then two, I'm learning that Loki is not in charge and that he is at their bidding. So when he went on that whole spiel, I thought that was Loki kind of accepting his role and like, okay, I'm actually going to be on board and help. And so like, he still fooled me, yeah. because, but it wasn't because he's so fucking manipulative. It's because yep. the show has told me that he is, he has no power over them. Like, so I've already accepted, like, he's not going to be able to get one over on these guys. So I assumed that he was accepting his role, but he was still being manipulative. So I was fooled. And then Mobius is like, no, fuck, he's lying. Let's get the fuck out of here. So I, I thought that was an interesting kind of dynamic that that Loki's acceptance of his position and my acceptance of his position essentially had the same result where he still manipulated me. <laughs> so. I, dude, I feel the same way. I just let it go. Honestly, that's why I really love this character, because I think we were talking before we came on about Father's Day and how, that's why we're a little late too. happy Father's Day, everybody. Um, but he's like a child, right? Every, every second he is manipulating, but you don't know which direction. So you just can just never trust him. Right? So when he says to the other Loki, Hey, I was, I was just stalling to give you time. I'm thinking to myself, nah, he was probably doing something else. You know what I mean? Like, I don't even know what he was doing, but it wasn't good. So I just totally don't trust and I just go with it. And I find that that can be kind of uh, frustrating in a character when you're watching a show and you need to trust them. 
but he's such an effective, unreliable narrator that it gives you this freedom of fun. And he just plays the character so well. Um, all the stuff in the beginning when he's sitting at the desk and he's reading the jet ski magazine and he's talking to the hologram time clock. It's just great, man. And I mean, I can't say it again about how Marvel is so successful at letting actors act, letting people just have fun on screen, giving us that. That was not really that necessary. They were rehashing some stuff to us and letting us know some plot points. Um, as they do in these in this show but overall it was just a fun time that you could like laugh and spend time with these characters and uh i really enjoyed all of that kind of stuff and yeah i don't really i don't whether i trust him or what he's doing i think he's just going moment for moment and uh yeah hunter b it was hunter b15 is her name and it was hunter c20 that was kidnapped and that we find later um, and I think that, uh, one of the other things I wanted to mention in the, um, in this whole kind of beginning is when Loki explains to them the difference between illusion and duplication casting. Okay. And I wanted to ask you guys, what do you think the purpose of that was? Was that just to explain to us that? When we see the people taken over by, like, say, the green glow, right, in the rock spot, in the, in the big warehouse at the end, that is, is, is that illusion? And then the duplicate, I don't know which is, <laughs> I got confused over whether that was just trying to tell us, okay, the, the other Loki isn't actually passing from person to person. It's like a spirit kind of taking over while they're in another place. Was that what the explanation was or was I missing something? I essentially look at it as the difference is, is one is more tangible than the other, which he's already done. Um, as far as I can tell, the illusion trick uh, multiple times in in the MCU. Or as I looked at duplication as something a little bit different, but um, I don't think what we what the 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 loki variant inhabiting the bodies i don't think that's either of those okay illusion or i think that's something entirely different yeah and i think that the illusion versus duplication thing was only put in there because at some point it's going to be used um to fool us us being the audience we're going to think it's it's one thing and then oh it's it's something else going on oh he did duplication not illusion or (laughs) or the inverse like it it, it, is to be something like that but the the what he's what the variants doing with the bodies with people's bodies? It's, I think that's something different. Okay. Oh, I, I, I know that's something different. Okay, but I don't know what it is though. <laughs> like the name for it, but these are all things that he's done canonically in the MCU before anyway. If I'm he, cool. did with, uh, he did it with um, Hawkeye. Yep, and with um, uh, Natalie Portman's father. Uh, I can't remember the scientist, but you know the the scientist. Oh from Thor, yes. Natalie, Natalie Portman's character, yep. her father, uh, it, one of the scars guards, right. right? Yeah, yeah, yes. he did Stellar. it with him too. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Did you were you going to say something about that, Delvin? I think that um, to get to that part, where we're talking about the whole manipulation of people. We haven't seen Loki 
do it on that level in terms of manipulating multiple people in that in a facility like that like for example you see like first he manipulated hunter then he went for another person then lady Luke went for another person and another person another person and then you see people who are in this building acting like this place is still open Mm-hmm. So I think that may play into the manipulation part. Like the guy walked by asking, "Hey, you need any help with something?" Then immediately got possessed. So maybe they're seeing that the pl- the building and the company still open. Oh, interesting. So it's a greater illusion is being. Oh, okay, okay, Delvin. I think you might have something here, which is what happens if that Loki was able to create an illusion of a uh um an apocalypse but it wasn't re- in the same way that these people thought it wasn't happening ah okay okay i noticed all yeah, the employees yeah. were acting like they were still working that's interesting delvin i hadn't catch on to that that's very cool i think and i think that's yeah, a yeah i think that's a good example of illusion and then i think the duplication is uh how he killed agent colson in avengers Yes, because they were talking to one yes, another, yep. and then he got killed from behind. I think that's the duplication, and then the illusion is is what what Delvin's talking about. Right. On a, of course, on a grander scale, but yeah. And the duplication is like when Thor would say, "Is that really even you, Loki?" You know, and yeah. he'd say, yeah. "It is, brother." Um, yeah. <laughs> I love doing the Thor voice, man. I love him. Um, they're they're such a great pair too, because Thor is like who doesn't love Thor. Like I think in the like in the MCU, there's people who might not like this character or another, but I think everybody just you just would love to get a beer with Thor and hang out with him. Oh um, yeah! But that's yeah. interesting. I like the way. I think you're right, Mike. I think if we kind of throw all this into a soup, what we see is that we are being prepared for a grand illusion, right, or a grand duplication which mm-hmm. fools us or the TVA or Loki himself uh, or herself. So I think that's cool. Yeah, they do a lot of that. A lot of the first couple segments is rehash, rehashing the plot, explanatory exposition. But I really think that they did learn from WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier to when writing this that they're doing it in a way that is much more subtle and more fun than in some of the other episodes, like, ex- like for example, in WandaVision, where we got an entire episode that just explained what happened in the first five episodes, <laughs> which I didn't hate, but I didn't need it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I understood what was happening. And I think that they're finding a better middle ground here of using this to do that. And they kind of let it go, and then we get more into um, the plot. I wanted to focus on the conversation that Loki had in uh, the in the room with uh, Ravona, who's played by Gugu. M- I'm going to try to pronounce her name. Gugu Mbatha Raw, who, by the way, I just want to. She's po- been in something else that I feel like we've she, seen. Yeah, she has been in a. She has been acting for a very long time. She's been in a ton of stuff. And by the way, she's 38 years old. So all I have to say is, man, black she looks, don't crack. 
That's that's exactly what I was thinking, Mike. I was going to say a joke. I was going to say, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this thing called Black Don't Crack before. Um, but for real, she I looked her up because, yeah, she is like a ca- kind of character actress who has been in, you know, 50 things that you've seen over the past 20 years of varying, um, you know, po- uh, popularity. And uh, she's just really great in this. And I just want to point out, I think it's kind of cool that they have two black women who are in power here. And it's they don't make a thing out of it. It is what it is. And it works. You know what I mean? And I just appreciate when Marvel does stuff like that and you notice it. And um, Hunter815, who is Woonmi Musaka, she's fantastic. She's been in a ton of stuff, too. And just has a presence right away. Like when Mobius gives Loki some weapons and she's like oh hell no <laughs> she just, <Yeah>. like, <laughs> just puts it it throws it in her own locker and turns around and just takes charge just yeah, great stuff good. but one thing i want to point out they have the conversation in uh ravona's office they go over kind of that mobius and her have this a little bit of rivalry going where maybe he feels like maybe he should be in her position or what what is really going on he's the head guy and she makes him sign the waiver right because this is the last time she's not going to let him mess with this loki and he has a pen from franklin roosevelt high school and i don't know what is is that having something to do uh, immediately i just think spider-man but he didn't did he go to franklin delano roosevelt high school i i don't know so what was I, up with I, I that pen? I, I, I don't know. I don't remember. I, I, and I, I made note of that as well because they made it a point to show us what was written on that pen. And yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I have no idea the significance of that. And, I, and that's one of those things similar to the, to the rings on the table that I feel like they made such a point of showing it that it's got to come back around in some way or another. Yeah. Delvin, do you know anything? What is I'm looking online right now and a lot of people are like, what does it mean? <laughs> I kind of looked some stuff up, but do you I'm know about it that up as we speak? OK, I see games radar has a thing, how it could be a hint towards something bigger, um, an all powerful Marvel character. All right. Well, I'll let you read that while I talk. Let's see if you if you f- find anything. But um, I just feel like with the nature of the show. That it's got to be a thing where, like, maybe it doesn't exist in a different timeline or something, and that's going to be a clue of a variant timeline that exists. Like, oh, we're not in the timeline that we thought we were because we have this Franklin Delano uh, Roosevelt. I like that. They don't have that. They don't have this school in this timeline or something maybe like that, that. Maybe that's where. Maybe that's where Peter Parker went to school in a different timeline or something like that. Could be. Okay, because I'm just finding out that there is no FDR high school in Marvel Universe. It, mm. I'm looking at some things, and people are saying it might hint towards this or that. But I like what you're saying, Mike, because that's, I, I don't know. I was like, come on. They're showing that for a reason. Yeah. Right? They have to be. Just like you pointed out the gum, and the gum became a big deal. That's how they figured <laughs> out where to go at the end was from hunting down when this gum was made during what apocalypse, you know? So if there, that is a nice foreshadowing technique, well, it's foreshadowing a technique of laying things of foreshadowing. It's foreshadowing, foreshadowing. Okay. (laughs) 
that's what, what it is. I'm reading. They say it's a reference to maybe a reference to Molecule Man, who's a Fantastic Four villain, who's really? also part of the Beyonders and deals with multiverses and things like that. Okay. I like that. That's very cool. I'm really digging the way that they are laying this stuff out. And I'm not mad when they're so obvious like that. You know, makes my son take notice. Seasoned people like us might only need a brief viewing, but others need more. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd rather them be obvious for certain situations and let us know at this point that something's going to happen. It's going to be yeah. something big or something cool. Like, like I, whole, I like the whole thing in Endgame to talk about that for a second where they were like, hey, there's a noise underwater near Wakanda. Oh, we shouldn't worry about that. <laughs> it's no big deal. Didn't you see the news store like, hey, Namor's coming to the NBCU and probably going to be the next bad guy in Black Panther. I, I like those Easter eggs that's thrown out there. And then later on, we kind of see what's going to happen based off of those Easter eggs. I think that's a really cool way to do certain things. And I think they should do more of it. Yeah. I feel like they announced the casting for Namor. Yes, uh, they did recently. Oh, okay. Yeah, like within the last week or so. Okay. Do you know who it is? I don't recall. I can't remember his name. It wasn't. It wasn't exactly somebody. Like it wasn't somebody. It wasn't like a big name. Like, oh, it's Brad Pitt. Like, no, it was somebody like that. Oh man! Imagine when Brad Pitt comes to the MCU. <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> that's gonna Johnny be Storm. Great. There you go. Oh man, <laughs> that's gonna be great. I can't wait. Um, oh, Luke Evans. Luke Evans is playing Namor. That's great casting. No. No, it's definitely not Luke Evans. It's no, an Asian, I don't. Yeah, it's that was Asian it. guy. I can't remember. His oh, name. oh, okay. Oh, they thought it was Luke Evans. Okay. Okay, I'm like, no, I know Luke Evans. Like, it wasn't Luke Evans. Oh, okay, cool. I let I me like look this Luke up Evans. now because I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to sit there. And, uh... Well, whoever it was, it was somebody who I didn't. I didn't recognize. That's I don't interesting. Think, so, yeah, it's definitely uh, yeah. cool when they do that, and this is going to end up being something. Um, and I and the little, the little hints are fun. Um, when we, I, oh, go ahead. I have his name. Tinnock Hereta. Oh, okay. I'm probably said that wrong. Probably. Right, cool. <laughs> I like that. I don't know who that is. Yeah. I like that. I like when they do that too. You have to bring people up too and create your own stars. You know, when you think back on the MCU and really like Robert Downey Jr. kind of being really a centerpiece of how they cast. Um, let's not forget that Robert Downey Jr. was not the biggest star when they cast him. No, nobody he, wanted him. Nobody wanted him. Yeah, he was the, he was on his what? Th- you know, everybody was like, when's he going to go back to rehab? And it was hard to get insurance. And you know what I mean? Like, so I like when they kind of bring people up or get different people. Um, Me too. That, and this is that's a life changing yeah. casting for, for these people. So, like, I like seeing that, too, like. This guy might have been through all manner of hell to get to this point, like, like doing all kinds of maybe shit movies that he hates or, or whatever to get to this opportunity. And now he gets to play fucking Namor in a Marvel movie like that's life changing shit. Yeah. So I love for that to happen for somebody who's, you know, this is this is their break as opposed to like somebody who's already, you know, like fucking Angelina Jolie or some shit. It's like, yeah, OK, that here's somebody who doesn't need that role <laughs> yeah. and taking it away from someone who does. So. Yes, that is definitely cool. Um, so then we have this whole thing, basically, like, like we talked about before, where Loki does his research and he figures out, 
about the variants hiding in the apocalypses. They go to, they have the whole lunch with Mobius, which is, which is he's like, oh, come on, man. And he's pouring this. So I, I, and then that dude keeps on popping up. Yeah, the one guy. I still don't know his name. The, the mail delivery guy? Yeah. Yeah. That's the other thing, which makes you feel like, what's going on here? Like, why every time he turns around, that one dude is there? And that and that could be a, a glitch in the matrix, yeah. like what I was saying about the the coffee rings, yeah. like yep. the, I mean the rings on the cup, like that could be a, a he could be another clue that 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 yep. something's like that something like that is going on. I really I got to rewatch these episodes before the next episode and just think that way and try to pick up more on like maybe they they've even been doing weird shit like stuff you know like continuity things where like a cut moves or you know where you think it's a mistake but it's not i love when filmmakers Mm -hmm. take advantage of that and build in continuity errors into something um but i thought this was also so funny these guys are just wonderful together owen wilson is a national treasure i love (laughs) that dude and he's had so many he's incredibly likable he is yeah he's he's attempted to commit suicide and he was really very open about it and talked wow. about it. Yeah, this was only like 10 years ago or so. It was kind of when he stopped working with Wes Anderson for a while. And people were one, and he was having issues. You know, he's had mm-hmm. issues with depression and anxiety. And he's been really open about it. But it's good to see him, you know, it's like you think, you know, would have been, he wouldn't be here to make us laugh and shit like that, you know? So it's a good thing that he's still around. Um, yeah, such a likable guy. Yeah. Like it, it's kind of similar to like Robin Williams. It's like okay, Robin Williams playing all these crazy likable characters and beloved by everyone, and turns out he's really going through some shit. Yep. And yeah, I didn't know that about Owen Wilson. I'm just like, man, Owen Wilson is so enjoyable, and every everything that he's in, he's just enjoyable. Yep. And I, I really like his uh his banter with Loki on this show. Tears of a clown, man. That's <laughs> what they say. Um, <laughs> then they go to Pompeii. The Pompeii shit was hilarious. This was perfect Loki. This was when I was sitting there going, man, this Hiddleston man, this guy is amazing. His arms are so long. Aren't his arms long? <laughs> he's like one of those uh, inflatable tube guys. You're all going to die. <laughs> you know, actually, you know, what? my son said that he said um, he's like those car wavy things. Yeah. So what, yeah. Yep. And uh, it w- that was hilarious. And then he, you know, he's like, "Don't do anything big." And then he does the biggest thing. Um, yeah, he's like, "Let's start." Can you make a bird noise? Like, let's just start the real, <laughs> real light with the bird noise. And he just like, "Yeah, fuck that." I'm gonna go speak in Latin or whatever the fuck. <laughs> like, are you, are you speaking a different language and shit? I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, that was great, man. That was funny. And then, of course, the thing I thought that was kind of cool too is I was wondering how are they gonna cut out of this where like everything's coming towards them and they just cut to the elevator doors opening and they're on to the next thing. And I thought that that was really smart. And I think that there was also probably in the actual script, it said like they step back into a time portal and then some producer was there and was like, you know, it cost us like, $70,000 to do one of those time portals. So how about we just do a natural cut? And that's what they did. So I just, I thought that was really for a filmmaking perspective. That was very clever that it comes and then they just look at the camera and then they just cut and the doors are just opening. 
Um, and that's when they have this big conversation. Did you guys have anything you wanted to say about this conversation about who created uh, them and what's freedom and and, the, and what the TVA is and all that kind of stuff? Not particularly, but I, like I, I made note of it in the sense of like I, I find it interesting that they're having a theological discussion in the context of like time travel and shit like that. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I, I always enjoy the pointing out of some sort of uh, irony or something like that. You like like what you mentioned with with uh, Loki making a joke like look at all this stupid shit you believe in <laughs> he's like and, and would you remind me what your what your backstory is again <laughs> and it's like yeah like we're both kind of on some on some weird shit so i like i enjoyed the conversation for what it was but i didn't really take anything out of it um in a in a, in a larger sense i just thought it was kind of cool to throw something in there like that in the middle of a loki tv series <laughs> i agree i thought it was interesting <laughs> Good answer. Good answer, Mike. (laughs) I think it's fascinating where they're going with this show and how, like I said, Loki's arrogance kind of gets the best of them. And they keep showing you that. They're like, hey, maybe you don't know everything that you think you know. (laughs) Because he's like this scene in particular, he's constantly talking about somebody else's beliefs and things like that. Like, and where are you from again? <laughs> magical land where everything is like platinum and gold and your, yep. your father's Odin. Odin, right. Yeah. <laughs> you were created by a monster and right. Yeah. I, I, I really found this fascinating and I, I got to go back and watch this again because I think that this is the, I've always wanted, um, I, I wanted, I've always wanted Marvel to do more of this. I, I enjoy when they allow themselves to geek out a little bit more and revel in it and have conversations like this. And I think it is ultimately interesting to me. And again, just like I really wanted this show to address why Loki is the way he is, which they're totally doing. I think it's wonderful that they're addressing that this all is crazy. Like, I think that's just really cool to do that. And say, hey, where do you come from? Where do I come from? Where do any of us come from? Because when you're an audience member and you're, you know, you're watching that, it makes it, I feel almost like a kinship with the characters. Whereas we're all alone in this universe trying to figure out whether I'm in the MCU with superheroes or whether I'm sitting in Portland watching this on TV with my kid, it, we're all kind of the same. And I like that attitude, but I think for the plot of the show, I think I am really on to what Mike is saying. I'm not so sure that these timekeepers actually exist. I'm really thinking this is like some sort of man behind the curtain, Wizard of Oz thing, because Owen Wilson himself, when he said it in the last episode, the timekeepers created us, I was thinking create does he mean like they created the organization like hey they founded us like if i was on a sports team oh this was created in this year no he means literally like he popped out of existence into existence because the timekeepers created him in the same way that thanos uncreated things 
So they're playing again with this idea that they're these huge, you know, gods and monsters, these gods that can control us and are playing with us. And I'm happy that this is the direction that Marvel's going with this new phase. And when we get to the whole next phase is all of these godlike creatures. And I think it's interesting to lay down the foundation of questioning them from the beginning, not seeing them as these omni-powerful things that we should listen to. I just think that's kind of cool. So that's what I got out of it. Um, I had the same thought about about Mobius, too. In that first episode, I was like, he's I, I assume like he's talking about creating the TVA. And then, and then in this episode, yeah. I'm like, wait, no, <laughs> yeah. that's not what he means at all. So He's I, like, yeah, I, I had the same thought. Like, does he have a mom? I want to. That's what I wanted Loki to ask. Like, where's your mom? And he'd be like, "What's a mom?" <laughs> 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 um, so then they go to Alabama in 2050. They figure out the gum thing, like we talked about. They go to Rock's cart. Um, there was a lot. My wife was saying when we were watching it because uh, I watched it first with my son. We went on a little mini vacation down to Coos Bay in Oregon. It was awesome. And we watched it. And then I watched it with my wife and my wife made reference to, they threw in a lot of climate change stuff in that quick reference to all the catastrophes that were going to happen. Hmm. And I, I think, I think this Alabama thing too, you know, cause he kept Loki kept on saying so many catastrophes. Um, and this Alabama thing is definitely like the idea that Alabama has become like, the American Riviera and there's like some huge like citywide box store there. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. I haven't, I don't know if I've ever even been to Alabama. You guys spent any time in Alabama? I have family in Alabama. Okay. My stepfather's from there. To be precise. How is the coast there? Cause I think a lot of people don't know that Alabama has a coast. I don't think I've ever been to the coast there. To me, Alabama's like Georgia part two. <laughs> it's, the sequel, it's the sequel to Georgia. <laughs> yeah, I haven't spent much time in either place. But I was saying, like, a lot of people forget that Alabama does have a coast. Yes, it does. Um, well, I, in, unless you watch the Florabama Shore on MTV, which. Uh, that's not a thing, right? Yeah, that is a thing. That oh, is my a, God. Unfortunately, it is. Yeah, it's <laughs> oh like the God. Jersey Shore, but in Florida, Alabama. That's why I, I thought you were kidding because I know you yeah. like Jersey Shore, so I'm like, maybe love he's it. fucking with me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a real thing. Well, Jersey Shore has changed a lot, though. It's fun now. They all have kids. Um, all right, so then we get Even the, the situation bi- has kids. Uh, the situation, little uh, little baby situation, I believe was just born. Oh wow! Yeah, okay, dude, he's <laughs> sober. He's like a life coach. He's like the most positive human being on the planet. So is he no longer entertaining then? Because that's not the situation that I'd want to watch. He's more entertaining. What? He's so funny. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. This has devolved into a Jersey Shore show. Yeah, I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) Dude, I honestly, I'll say it right now. The Jersey Shore is one of the funniest shows on TV. They don't really argue that much anymore. The girls had a little argument, but they just do pranks and have fun. It's just like they know they're silly. They're on a silly TV show. Um, but also there's a, just a lot of plastic surgery because that's what happens when you're on TV, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Look at in us. New Jersey, apparently. Yeah, and in New Jersey. There's... <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm from New Jersey. Um, 
All right. So then we get the big reveal. Um, you know, we have the whole fight as we spoke about and and the the other the alternate Loki traveling from person to person. And then we get the big reveal and De- Delvin, it seems like this is something you wanted to talk about. You were very interested in. You might have some more background on Lady Loki for us. What is the significance of this? To me, I thought, okay, that's interesting. It's a different variant. I've come to find that this this Lady Loki plays a role in the MCU canon. Yeah, um, Lady Loki's been around for a while. Like, you know, um, they've had different variations of Loki because Loki is, for all intents and purposes, I want to say he's not bisexual. Gender he, fluid. Gen, gender fluid. There you go. That's what I'm looking for. And Loki has literally played women, animals. He's been everything, essentially. And Lady Loki's one of the popular variants of Loki. And I like the fact that, like we were talking about last week, I felt like it was just another version of Loki, like, like Tom Hiddleston playing Loki again. Yeah. I wouldn't, I, I thought, it, I think that would have been a, a miss for me, especially since we just got that with uh, WandaVision. Yep. So seeing as Lady Loki different, fundamentally different than what Tom Hiddleston's Loki is in terms of how this Loki seems more cunning, more smart. And I think what's fascinating about it is our Loki that we know knows this. And it's, try, it's trying, the whole purpose of this whole conversation is that we saw our Loki try to outsmart a Loki that was already 10 steps ahead of him. And she knows it. And she's like, oh, that's cute. <laughs> she kind of <laughs> she kind of sees him as primitive. And, and he's kind of come up with these grandiose things like, hey, you can be my, my left hand or my assistant. And she's like, no, it doesn't work out that way. <laughs> why would I do any of this, what you're saying? Because he is thinking on one level, she's literally 10 steps ahead of him. In thought process and in power, if you were to look at it like the whole this whole scene was just showing how much more advanced this Loki was in using her powers and taking care of the whole situation in terms of how all these people that she was kind of sending that Loki to fight, she was doing that just to toy with Loki. She wasn't taking it serious or anything like that, just toying with them, buying time to get her plan off, and she Show Loki who she was when she felt like she wanted who she was. It was far too late for Loki to do anything about it. And she was, wasn't really listening to anything Loki was having to say because she knew it was bullshit, for one thing. And two, there was nothing that Loki had for her that, that she can use. And that's basically what she yeah. said. Like, yeah. I, I have no use for you. My beef is with them, and you're working for them. She looked at him like he was less, and for that matter, talked to him like he was less than nothing. She's like, you're working as a lapdog for these losers. <laughs> like it's, I, I have no use for you. I think that's really a fascinating part about this episode because, back again, our Loki is being knocked down a peg. And now this Loki, our Loki is finding out that there is a Loki that is so far superior to him in almost every aspect in terms yeah. of skills and fighting, in terms of manipulation, in terms of wanting a goal and accomplishing that goal, and everything that Tom Hiddleston said at this point in time when he was talking to this Loki kind of felt hollow, like he didn't even believe it. 
but he was hoping that she would come along for the ride. And I think it was just great to see that. Not only was she not falling forward, she was like, I don't really need you. <laughs> yeah. That's great stuff, man. That really makes me think a lot about how it's such an interesting show that instead of, you know, we come off Falcon Winter Soldier, which is about kind of two characters elevating themselves and, you know, um, using community and family around them to discover that they're even greater than they thought they were. And this whole thing, this whole show is about Loki discovering in every episode that he's more worthless than he thought he was. <laughs> that yeah. the Infinity Stones he ran after are nothing here, right? This is the real power. He is not. I'm starting to feel like she might be the best possible variant lo- of Loki, and he is the worst. Like they are, like I was saying, like the yin and the yang of lo- of what Loki could be. So she's like the blonde woman, and that's like the greatest version of Loki that could exist in all multiverse. And he's like the brunette man, <laughs> like the worst <laughs> possible right version of Loki that could exist. In some ways, like they just physically look different, and they are, you know, they're like that. But what I find fascinating is somewhere within him, he doesn't reject it. He accepts it because he follows her, right? Like he real just in the same way that and that's something great about Loki in the same way that he realized he didn't fight against the Infinity Stones being worthless and say, no, we can't be this way. He said, ah. There's a greater power now. I've got to go after it. I have a new goal. And when he sees her, Delvin, I think everything you said, he realizes. Like while she's talking to him. And that's why he follows her through the portal. Because he looks back at them and he looks at her. And then, you know, they're yelling, Loki, don't. (laughs) And I'm like, which one? And (laughs) and then he walks through. and And the look he has on his eyes is something of like, a child following his mother in some he way. He has to know more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There has to be more yep. to this. He, he can't possibly be as weak as he think he is. And I think yeah. that is amazing that coming out and listening and seeing what's going on, that he, at this point, still has to find out, like, there has to be something more to this. What's more? Because he talks about talking about taking over the time variance and stuff like that. She's like, that's peanuts. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. are you talking about? That doesn't even matter. That's silly. And when she said that, and Loki knows that she's not bullshitting. When she said it with such conviction, he's like, really? I'm thinking small time, and she's 10 steps ahead of me, and I think that's really cool that he has to, like, Loki's ego won't allow somebody else to be that many steps ahead of him, especially a variant of himself, without him finding out how, why, and how can he, can he get there and above that area. Yeah. That's Almost like Vegeta ever- and Dragon Ball. <laughs> and can he ever can he ever really catch up like like is this going to be a situation where he's going to learn something from her or he's going to team up with her or is he going to somehow uh, manipulate her and end up helping out Mobius? And if that's the case, then they better not paint the they better not it better not be presented in the way like Axel said with like him being the worst Loki and him, her being the best because <laughs> then if he gets the one over on her, then it's not, I'm not going to buy it. So, but you know, I, I think. It's interesting to see what direction they're going to take this because there's people who looked at that like, okay, is he leaving to kind of like 
team up with her or is he leaving to kind of like do recon and bring it back to to mobius and the tva and i think there's so many different interesting directions they could take that in especially with what devon was saying about how um he's now faced with the fact that this is a vastly superior version of himself and he can't just like let that go like like what's going on here but then when he inevitably uh you know learns whatever it is that he he's gonna learn what's he gonna do with it is he gonna is he gonna do something wrong is he gonna do something good and i'm still holding out hope that my theory of like he'll learn something and it, it, it that it will create the loki who becomes the good guy in infinity war that sacrifices himself purposely for thor with the knowledge of whatever it is that he learns on this show like i'm, I'm hoping that's gonna tie together yeah, I mean, I think that it plays back into the conversation that Mobius and Loki had about free will. And if there are all these crazy different versions of Loki as they showed us, the monster versions and the female versions and whatever, you know, green, blue, whatever versions they showed, all of these versions are still the trickster, though, right? Like he's Loki no matter what. But he also, perhaps within that, has the free will to be this good Loki. That's in there, too. You know, it's like, you know, we all have the multitude of goodness inside of us. <laughs> like, we're all everything inside, you know, the universe. And I think that's kind of cool, actually, um, to do with a villainous character, especially after what we've seen him do, which is kill like hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, destroy New York and all that, you know, that was horrifying, right? So I think that it's pretty cool to have him jump in. And my, I think it is like a bit of both, right? It's like reconnaissance because he's still Loki. He's going to manipulate the situation any way he can. So he doesn't know why. I, I almost feel like he doesn't know why. He just knows he has to do it. And he he just has this inquisitive nature and this openness too to keep learning too. That's the thing about him too. He is kind of like a ravenous learner. And we see that when he's doing his research, you know, like he prides himself on being smart. So I think it's interesting to see what's going to happen. And I think it was also kind of cool. I just want to throw out that the plan to take the reset charges and send them all different areas. And then you see it branching off. I just thought that that was very well executed the way they showed that to us and the way they kind of laid that out, that that was the plan that that to me was smart and it was fun. And it was like a little bit of like an oceans 11 type heist thing thrown in there. And I appreciate it. Um, I don't know. I think that's all I got on this episode. Do you guys have anything else that you wanted to bring up or did I miss anything? Um, I, I don't think I don't think so. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see if they're going to do anything with those uh, those specific locations that were shown on the branching out of the timeline. Mm. Like if any of that's if it was just like kind of cool, like, oh, like, like, let's just have these things be in places that, uh, you know, viewers will recognize or if they're actually going to do something with any of these. Like, I'm, I'm a little bit curious about that. But uh, no, I, uh, I think we've covered everything that I want to talk about. Yeah, I think so. I'm very interested, and I'm starting to think I'm seeing what female Loki is trying to accomplish in a sense, 
and I think it may be on a grand scale. And I think if they can pull it off, I think it'd be very interesting to see where to go from there. Because it seems like her goal is to keep her timeline alive. Hmm. That's what I was thinking. Maybe interesting. She's because their whole thing is they can only be one timeline with one Loki. And it seems like her goal is no, the timeline I came from. I want when female Loki existed. I want that to still exist. My family, friends, everything that I know and love is still there. Yeah. So why should my timeline be destroyed just because you say so? Yeah, and the, yeah, who's wh- wh- who's who's deter- who determines which timeline is the yep. quote, quote unquote right timeline? And and all the more reason to to uh, bring the the TVA and the timekeepers and their motivations into question. And within the context of that question, you know, like who who's to say like that, that, that this timeline is the right one? Yeah, I agree, because I think it's they they um, they propose that it's about some sort of balance. Right. And yet all of these different timelines still do exist. They just try to exist in some sort of harmony, but it's a harmony that they create the dominant timeline in. And I think that that's an interesting concept coming from our point of view, because as we enter this multiverse as viewers of 10 years of the MCU, we do want to have some kind of sense that what we've seen matters, right? And the people, the, the, the things, the consequences were somehow meaningful. And in order for that to be true, then the consequences in other timelines have to be meaningful for the people who are in them as well. Right. And one really cannot dominate over another. They have to all accept each other. And I think that maybe that's where it's headed towards that. There is no sacred timeline. They're all sacred, you know, and that the, this TVA has somehow been dominating this for their own purposes. Um, and we'll see what those purposes are as we continue. And also, I just want to shout out. We got two episodes uh, we got to see when it, when is somebody from the more someone else from the MCU going to pop up. It's only a matter of time yeah. till yeah. we get a cameo or something. So keep also lo- oh, let ahead. you guys, I, I sent you guys via Twitter DM some information on a, a character from Loki that y'all may find interesting. Oh, okay. I'll take a okay. look at that. I had not seen that yet. I'll take a look. But yeah, we got uh, there's only episode two, so we got four more to go. We'll be back here next week on Sunday. It's not Father's Day again. Thank you, everyone, for listening, for downloading, for watching on the YouTube. Give us a like, subscribe, all that kind of stuff. Head over to the Delvin Cox Experience. Head over to One Mike, DVRpodcast.com. Thank you, gentlemen, both. Peace out, everybody. Peace. Peace. Today's Deep Dive is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, cufflinks.com head on over to cufflinks.com slash dvr for all your men's apparel needs baby they've got cufflinks they've got tie bars they've got pins they've got ties socks all the awesome stuff that you need to look good when you step out your door in the morning or when you turn on that computer and you're on zoom because let's face it people you still gotta look good Come on, enough with the bedhead. We're a year in. The light is at the end of the tunnel. We got to start thinking about the future, people. 
looking good out there in public. So head on over to cufflinks.com now. Use code DVR20 and save 20% off your order, no minimum. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today.